This is 4H4U2, a podcast from the Mississippi State University Extension Service promoting 4-H programs and positive youth development. Here now your host, Dr. John Long and Kobe Rutherford. And welcome to 4H4U2, where we talk about all things 4H, 4H youth development, life skills, preparation for the future, and giving back to the community. I'm your host, John Long. And good morning. I'm Kobe Rutherford. Kobe, how are you doing today? Doing well. It's Friday. Awesome. Football Friday. Woohoo! We got our first home football game, and they, people are already putting their tents up. So we're uh, we're getting fired up. You and I both uh, have our maroon on, as well as our uh, guest that we have today. Kobe, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? Well, John, I'm happy to have our guest here today, Dr. Clay Kavner. He's a professor in the Department of Animal and Dairy Sciences here at Mississippi State. I guess, Clay, you started here about uh, three or four months before I did, back in 2015. That's right, uh, January of 2015. Yeah, time's flying, isn't mm-hmm. it? I yeah. remember when you, I don't know what that meeting was that we were at, but that was the first time I'd seen you. I think it was in 409. But anyway, that's I remember meeting you that day and them telling me that you were new. So I, I, that's, ooh, four years? Four, four and a half. Yeah, it'll be wow. five, five this January. Jeez. So, Clay, and, tell us a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go no, ahead. I, I stepped no, on No, go you. ahead. I, I was just going to say Clay is our uh, equine specialist yes, for yeah, extension. Yes, that's good to know what he does. Yeah, Other I should have said that earlier. He but. just wandered in here and says, can <laughs> I be on a podcast? No, not really. Even though he says he's a podcast junkie, so that that's good. He feels at home here, so that's great. It's, it's strange that it would actually be a part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Look, t- uh, Clay, tell us where you're from and uh, just how you got to be where you're at today. Man, that, that's, that's And a little, spare no details. Yeah, that's, that's a long story, but uh, the shortened version. I grew up in a little a little town in southeast Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird. Anybody ever uh, ask me that question and I tell them a little town, they say, which one? I say, Idabel. Everybody knows where it's at. <laughs> um, you don't go through Idabel. You go to Idabel. Uh-huh. So most people, for some reason, have been there. But I grew up there. Um, finished school and undergrad there at Oklahoma State, and then wound and how up far in is Texas. that? I'm sorry, how far is that from Stillwater? That's a good ways, four is and a half, five hours. Ooh, okay, yeah. go Very, ahead. As far as southeast you can get, oh. close to Texarkana, Texas. Okay, go ahead. I'm uh, sorry. So I grew up close to the Red River, and and then uh, when I was finished up schooling at Oklahoma State, wound up through a series of events, but wound up in Texas doing a PhD, and then shortly after that. Um, Finishing up, they had a spot open there on faculty, and so I wound up staying on faculty at A&M for mm. 11 and a half years. That's awesome. And then, I don't know, it's just kind of a, a God thing, really, a, a position open here and through a weird series of events when my family moved here and, and um, have been blessed to be here for mm. sure since January 15. Wow, that's awesome. That's good. Now, the reason I asked how far it was from Stillwater, you ever met a guy named Kevin Allen? He is so. well. He's the state program leader, state 4-H program leader over there. So he and I, he used to do shooting sports. So that's how I knew him. He was at the PLN yeah. that we were at. So yeah. yeah. And Clay, you've had some big life changing moments since you got here. I mean, welcomed your daughter here in Mississippi. Yeah, they all happened in the same month. It seemed like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Within a six month period, we moved here in January, and within mm-hmm. you know four, five, six months, we were. Um, my wife was job hunting, and I was starting a new career, a new, really a new career, because I had never had a formal extension appointment, so yeah. it was a, a new animal for me. And in the midst <laughs> of the all pun. that, yeah, right. <laughs> in the midst of all that, our our daughter was born, um, and to make matters worse, it happened in the the morning of the second day of the state horse show in Texarkana, Texas, when oh. I was in Jackson, Mississippi, and <sighs> she was premature. Everything's great now, yeah. but that was a scary time. I wound up being in the NICU for five weeks, so. 
you know, within a six-month period, um, you know, parents understand. People who are going to be parents will understand. But mm. new parents, it's tough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh. The job was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The job is raising them. That, the, 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 the career change was not that big a deal. It was the... <laughs> You know, juggling all that at the same time, but it's yeah. been a, a tremendous blessing for right. sure. No doubt. Uh, the whole life changed just in one day almost, didn't oh, it? Oh, man. Yeah. You know, I'll nothing tell you, like them. Let, let me tell you a quick little story just to tell you how great the people of Mississippi are. I was brand new, did not know hardly anybody, especially at the producer level. You know, mm-hmm. we were at the state horse show. Um, oddly enough, the second morning of the state horse show, I, I, know, I don't know, I, just, I woke up out of sleep at the hotel about 1 a.m., and wide awake, mm-hmm. and I picked up my phone like most of us do to kill some time, and I, you know, was just looking at it just to hopefully go back to sleep. Right. And it rang. Oh. And it was my wife, and I knew immediately something was wrong. Uh oh. And you know, of course, I put on my pants and was off to Texarkana, two, three o'clock in the morning, and mm. wound up having to call John uh, Blanton and Dean and them guys that were at the state horse show and say, hey, I won't be there. I got. Yeah, some things going on, but you know that night um, I had people that I didn't even know texting me, you know, saying we're praying for you. And and really cool thing was people called me and told me said, hey, this the night that night at the opening ceremonies of the State 4-H Horse Show, um, they did an opening prayer and talked about your family. I thought, you know what, there's not many places would do that. Right, that's that's awesome. That's awesome, and good to know everything's okay now. It's great. She's great. She's a tough one. <laughs> That's the only one you have? Only one. Oh, okay. It may yeah. end up being the only one. Probably so. Yeah, yeah. It took a while to get her. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm talking about if they're tough, you know. My, she my, is. My son's tough, and I, don't, I think we wouldn't have another one if, if we hadn't had the girl first. Yeah. yeah, I love that, though. It means when they get older, they'll be able to take care of That's themselves. That's right. That's exactly I right. I hope that's the theory. Yeah, yeah. and what's her name? Isabella. Ooh, beautiful name. Yeah, beautiful name. So Clay, you mentioned that you work with a 4-H Youth Horse Show. What other kind of responsibilities do you have as the extension specialist? Pretty much anything to deal with equine programming in the state, whether it's at the youth or adult level, um, with agents, with their clientele, um, number of things in that regard, and then even here on on campus, a number of things that deal with. Uh, you know, the, the management of the horse unit here and some, I, I've tried to take some student programming through the courses I teach here and kind of overlap that with extension work um, in terms of getting students involved in being a part of that education process through the horses. That's really neat. It, what surprised me as I was part of an economic analysis a few years ago in Alabama, and I, I always think about Alabama and Mississippi being very similar in times in terms of agriculture industries, but how much of an economic impact the horse industry makes in the state, John? It's a multi. How many million? It's multi-million. Is M- it? Multi-million dollar deal, and, and and even beyond the state, people don't realize that in terms of a national economy, horses bring in billions of dollars in terms of no, GDP. I, did, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Really incredible how much. I mean. Just the horse people in general spend on, on their horses just to maintain them and keep mm. them. Yeah, and, and if you think about it in terms of comparison to beef cattle and other food commodities, you know, w- we have to to eat and that kind of thing. And right. so, so cattle are an important thing, poultry and um, swine. But horses, we don't obviously have to do that. It's just a sheer enjoyment of the species yeah. that, that drives yeah. it. 
That's ex- well, it's almost like equate it kind of to hunting. We don't have to hunt, but we do that's enjoy right. it. So that's and right. that, that's multi multi billion or million whatever for state as well. So. You know, if you if you look at the GDP comparison of the equine business, it's comparable to tobacco manufacturing, even apparel, and 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 that's what's crazy to me is we all need to or or have to wear clothes, right? But we don't all have to contribute to the horse industry, right? That, that's so cool you know it's uh the horses have been around for a long time and they uh have helped out a lot of course mechanization changed a lot of that overnight i guess you know for but, sure but we still enjoy our horses for sure that's good I, i'm not a horse person I, I i'm not saying i don't enjoy them but i saw a picture of me on one 10 years ago the other day it popped up on my facebook memories we were doing therapeutic riding mm-hmm. and uh yeah so that was cool you know, I'm not a horse person either. I mean, I like to look at them from a distance. I've enjoyed you know, riding. If them. one comes up to me, I'll probably pet it. Yeah. But I think my son is going to be a horse enthusiast. Dude. Yeah, he's good. all about them. And we almost bought him one, but luckily the lady backed out on us and decided <laughs> to keep it herself. You know, it's wild, though. If it's in your blood, it's there. Yeah, that's right. And, and I, I tried a, a few years ago, probably four or five years ago. I was kind of burnt out with everything I was mm-hmm. doing with my own business and my own horses. I thought, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm done with it. Right. It's a lot of work. Right. People don't get that part of it. They go to the horse show and think, wow, that's pretty, you know, that's mm-hmm. neat. But the work that goes into that is insane. Mm-hmm. And so I, I sold out, sold everything I had, and within three months I was buying new horses again. <laughs> that's funny how my, that works. My friend has one that will – I don't know, he hasn't ridden it in years, but you know, it takes very good care of it. And I take my kids over there, and that joker is a biter. I say, you watch him his ears go back. You better look out because he's coming for you. Well, you talk about raising kids. Mm-hmm. Working with horses ain't no different. Right. I mean, it's the same training. Pro- I tell I tell my students all the time that you can train anything, your boyfriend, your horse, whoever it may be, whatever it may be, a dog, mm-hmm. with three simple things, and that is provide a cue, wait for a response, and then reinforce that response. Right. And, and that's the truth. The other day my wife was sitting and I were sitting in the living room, and she said, man, it's cold in here. And before I knew it, I was turning the thermostat down. She never told me to get up and do it. Right. But, but through providing a cue, telling me she was cold, I knew what my response needed to be. Right. And I knew how she would positively or negatively reinforce that response. Of, you know, <laughs> or it means get up. up off the couch. That's right. Go, go, go turn down the air. That's right. Yeah. You're a wise man. Maybe we need to start incorporating those theories into our child development. Maybe. Maybe. For prob- sure. Probably so. Yeah, child, if you want to bite your teacher, this is how we're going to <laughs> negatively right. reinforce That's negative this. reinforcement, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. So, Clay, you, um, as far as the 4-H horse show, getting back on track a little bit, are there activities that children can participate in if they don't own a horse? At the Man, that's a great question. You know, that, that's usually the, the stumbling block or hurdle people talk about is the expense mm-hmm. the horses inquire, which is true. But there's so many opportunities for kids to get involved with through education with horses, with not directly owning a horse. Mm-hmm. Um, horse judging, obviously, is something I've been big involved in through through my lifetime, and that's a huge one for life skill development. And, and you don't ever have to own a horse, but um, can still be around them and still be involved in that that community. Mm-hmm. And there's other things, too, like, you know, hippology, which is a, it's a humongous contest. It's an educational contest. It involves some aspects of judging, education, as far as knowing different facts about horses and then of course things like horse bowl and Mm -hmm. uh yeah there's plenty of opportunities for people to get involved and i think it's a even if you do own a horse need to be involved in that understanding of what's going on physiologically with a horse or management wise is definitely Mm -hmm. important you've brought up a question i had in my mind is um on average what would you say that it would be for 
upkeep um, for a horse yeah, on the, average for a year. Yeah, and, and it's very dependable upon a lot of certain factors. Right. But we, we think around twelve fifteen hundred dollars for okay. feed and cost, you know, maintenance. But when you start adding in other things right. like boarding and right. you know, you got to own a barn or board them or whatever it may be. And, for, and you know, heaven forbid something that's happen, right. which it will, because it's an animal it for will, sure, and it's a horse, and it will happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, we've been talking about, so most folks listening to the podcast know that my wife and I are livestock people, mm-hmm. but we've actually been talking about how expensive buying a show heifer or buying a show steer would be. And you know, when you start putting the pencil to it and you get multiple years showing a horse, it may be less expensive to show a horse than a steer. Mm. Well, and I think there's, that's a fine line too. You know, people try to, not that you were doing this, but a lot of people will exclude horses from livestock species. They're, they're definitely a livestock yeah. species. It's not a pet. Right. But the end product is a little bit different, obviously, because of the, the meat animal versus athletic animal, mm-hmm. performance-based animal. But um, I think what you're probably alluding to more is that if you buy a show steer and, and take him to the end of his showing season and he makes a sale, then you make money. Right. Horses, you may keep them for 10, 12 years because of the life expectancy and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And I think a lot of people uh, start have started equating horses as companion animals instead of livestock. They sure mm-hmm. have. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I think as an extension specialist, that's probably something you battle pretty often. It is. And, you know, people say all the time, you know, they are companion animals because I connect with them. Well, so mm-hmm. is a guinea pig or a <laughs> pot belly pig. And, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Pigs are not pets. You know, they're... It, I've seen it multiple times. A, a little girl has a show steer. She pets on that thing and puts bows mm-hmm. in his hair. Does not make it a companion animal. Right. That's right. Um, so I, to me, I'm defensive about that because I, I, I want to maintain the the livestock production, agriculture, an, uh, animal aspect of the horse business. Right. I think that's important or a valued thing for many of us. But I also get that, that people look at them as a with a connection and i I am sure it's real easy to do that even with the other animals like you say um, livestock and things like that because of the fact that they raise it they you know have such a hands-on experience with it but then of course we have there comes that time where you realize that yeah that's bacon too you know or or whatever burger or whatever you want well the scarier part of it is too for me is that you can pet a dog and he doesn't step on your foot and break your toe. <laughs> yeah. uh, horse is a different animal. And talking about that, you know, that, that training aspect of it, every horse you meet, whether you know it or not, they ask you one simple question. That is, would you like me to be the boss or would you want to be the boss? Right. And they're fine either way. Whichever one you choose, they're okay with it. And really, especially at the, at the young student level, trying to get them to understand the capacity of this horse to learn something, but also to understand his train of thought, his mindset amongst his herd mates is there is a definite hierarchy. And so we as horse owners, for safety more than anything, have to establish a clear dominant submissive relationship with them that sometimes people who look at them as pets don't quite understand that aspect Mm -hmm. that's a good point it is a good point Uh, this may be turn into a parenting type thing too (laughs) it all relates i keep thinking back i'm like maybe my child identifies as a horse (laughs) 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 he bites he kicks Uh, the light's coming on the light's coming on i think especially as young parents we all all of us kobe being a young parent too is we all try to figure out I think we're all constantly analyzing, well, I did this wrong here. I, I, oh, I yeah. don't scar oh. my kid for the rest of his yeah. life. You know. But uh, my wife and I were yesterday just talking about, 
some parenting things we're going through, and everything I do, it goes back to the horse. I'm just now, <laughs> after 20 years of marriage, getting her not to <laughs> condemn me for doing that. But That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I, that's why I've used the, the analogy of, like, training the kids, like training the lab, you know, which we do. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like what you're saying, that reinforcement or, or the dominant submissive. It's not to, to lessen the fact, you know, that how we teach, but it is a, a method to it for sure. That's funny. Clay mentioned the uh, the hierarchy. You know, Reason's first day of daycare at the new location, he went in and got in a fight with every kid in the class. And I, I tried to tell my wife, I'm like, he was just establishing the pecking order. That's right. Yeah. That's and that's right. something that all animals pretty much do. Youth development. Feral, feral <laughs> large domesticated. <laughs> And there, animals and, and there's always animals. a bigger one out there that's right oh you know, yeah but they'll, they'll figure it out i guarantee you that maybe that's what we need to do is ask them to move my child up to another class or two <laughs> see what happens there. it's going to happen soon enough soon enough yeah. my daddy would say there's always somebody bigger there like is, you said sure. just got not run across them yet so so clay what's coming up in the horse world though uh like uh do you do anything with the state fair or having activities there or What's no, we don't have anything fall? going on at the state fair. Uh, a lot of our, you know, the, the horse stuff evolves around the state 4 H stuff, and you know, with the winter classic stuff goes on, and the oh, yeah. especially. And when is that? When is uh, it? It's, if I, I think it starts into middle of January, end of January, oh, yeah, down in yeah. that ballpark. We had to turn the corner before we get to that. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. yeah, and, and then of course we'll head into the state show. But um, we we do so many little things too, like people that people don't get. And talking about mm-hmm. that non. Mm-hmm. Horse owning group. Uh, yeah. We started a program two years ago called Horse Tales, T A L E S, which I think is a really cool program mm-hmm. in which we're using the horse to go into schools to educate kids. Actually, we're we're not really educating them. We're we're using the horse as an entertainment tool. Right. So we go into third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade level classrooms and engage the kids with horse facts and knowledge and information. And then it's a door of, of opportunity to open up to discuss all of what 4-H has to offer. So there's kids in there. We always go, hey, how many of you are not interested in horses? And there's always those kids that aren't. <laughs> right. And well, if you're not, we got shooting sports. We've got ATV classes. We've got all kinds of different yeah. robotics. Yeah, that's a uh, great point. Tons of things that you can mm-hmm. get involved with. So we're using horse tails as a way to, as a tool to in, in, increase or improve uh, 4-H enrollment and activity at the county level. Now, do you actually take a horse? You know, you? I did. The first one we did, I did. It, it's it's a program that's. Uh, I, I created all the tools for the agents to be able to do it. Whether right, whether right. they know anything about horses or not, that is irrelevant. Right. The information's there, and again, it's just a tool to engage the student. Sure. But the first one I did, and we did it. It took maybe an hour, and I took two horses with me. Um, talked to the students in a classroom setting, but then took them outside and let those horses engage or mm-hmm. let those kids engage with horses. And mm-hmm. we talked to around 600 kids that within about an hour and a half. Oh, good grief. And you should have seen these kids in a way. Just that being able to pet them oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. be around them, it really uh, lit them up, you know. Folks just don't understand the power of ex- experiential learning, that hands-on that we have in 4-H. It is, I think it's just more people can relate to that. Is the fact that when you can put your hand on a horse or, or something, and I'll go back to uh, Clay was saying that just to get them hooked, that's what it is, really, is the horse is a hook, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a cow or whatever mm-hmm. is the hook that we get them into where we can teach them those life skills that they need. That's right. And it's that connection that. that um, and if anybody's listening that, that is connected with a 
secondary school or high school or any it, it doesn't matter the age group wants us to come do something like that hmm. i'd be happy to talk to them that's awesome now how how can they uh get in touch with you they can start through their county office. Mm-hmm. The agent in their county should know, you know, be be engaged with that program. And then, uh, if the if the agent doesn't want to come do that, or in terms of just doesn't feel comfortable with it, um, mm-hmm. I'd be more than happy to come help the agent do that or put that on at the county level. But mm-hmm. that'd be the first place, and then maybe me me secondly. But um, engaging their county office would say that's where I would say to start. That's awesome. That's, that's really awesome. Good. And Kobe, where can where can our listeners go just to find out more information about 4-H? Uh, our listeners can go to our Extension website, which is constantly changing with updates at extension.msstate.edu. And uh, if you're a podcast junkie like the rest of us in this room are, you would like to subscribe uh, to uh, this podcast, please do. We would love uh, to hear back from you, and you can reach us at the State 4-H office uh, via email or by phone. That's 662-325-3350. And my email is john.long at msstate.edu. And mine is Rutherford at msstate.edu. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. So uh, with that, we're going to call this uh, the end of our podcast for this week, and we'll hope you join us next time on 4H4U2. Thanks for joining us for 4H4U2. For more information, please visit extension.msstate.edu and be sure to subscribe to our podcast. 4H4U2 is produced by the Mississippi State University Extension Service, Office of Agricultural Communications.